This is Father Bonaventure Chapman. And this is Father Patrick Briscoe. Welcome to Godsplaining. Thanks to all those who support us. If you enjoy the show, please consider making a monthly or daily or hourly donation to Patreon. Be sure to like and subscribe to Godsplaining and get your friends too to whenever, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Father Patrick, it's delightful to see you, but there's a third screen, as everyone knows, because they're tuned in for this reason. This is a guest-splaining episode. We're very happy to have with us for this episode, Dr. Kimberly Hinkle, uh, who is the co-founder of Springs in the Desert, a ministry we're going to talk about here. Uh, Dr. Hinkle, thank you for joining us. Yes, thank you so much for inviting me here. I'm happy to be here. That's great. Um, a little background about you. First, you are you have a PhD in moral theology and ethics uh, with a focus in bioethics, which is super important today, from the Catholic University of America. That's a great school. Uh, you teach fertility awareness methods to medical student, school students through, and get this, fertility appreciation collaborative to teach the science. Facts. There it is. Facts. Look at that. <laughs> Um, was a former executive vice president of the National Pro-Life Action Center on Capitol Hill. So this is an exciting time for, for you as well, I suppose, given the yeah. recent um, justices' work. Uh, and has appeared on the Catholic Doctors Radio Show. That's interesting. Uh, Fox News, C-SPAN, CNN, RNN, TV. Okay. Um, and studied in Rome. It's JP2 Institute. Blah, blah, blah. Has four children and a husband. Um, and is delighted to be talking with us as we are delighted to be talking with her. So... Fantastic. Um, Dr. Henkel, we'll start off quick with um, Springs in the Desert. Springs in the Desert. This is your in biomedical ethics. What is this Springs in the Desert organization that you're co you co-founded with your assistant or co-founded? Yeah, so um, my husband and I both, uh, we met going to the JP2 Institute for Studies on Marriage and Family. And that's a nice. practical degree. It's speculative. Yeah. So that's the thing, a speculative and practical degree. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad you didn't meet him at the Dominican House of Studies. Like <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. We yeah. would go to mass there a lot, but <laughs> but no, he was not there. So we met and when we got married, we had high hopes of having a large family. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, we were a little bit later, we were a little bit older. Um, but we did not expect to have any trouble at all. So um it very much took us aback to not be able to conceive. And it was heartbreaking and devastating. You know, all of our friends were having children, our family members were having children, and we really didn't know anybody else who was having a hard time. So it was, it, it just was a time um, of just feeling very isolated and that nobody really understood what we were going through. Um, so anyway, I ended up going to a conference, um, an ethics conference at Notre Dame, and I ran into a friend of mine from grad school from the JP2 Institute and um, Ann Koshut. And I was telling her, you know, we were kind of talk, catching up and I was telling her, well, you know, my husband and I, we've been married for a few years and we just, we haven't been able to conceive. It's been really heartbreaking. And then she confided that she too was going through that same struggle. And it was, it, it was just so wonderful to find like a kindred spirit who knew mm -hmm. what I was experiencing. Like we both were thinking, so just having so many of the similar thoughts and just feeling yeah. like we had, both of us had really devoted our lives to serving God and, and the church. And we were really disappointed because we felt like there were no resources for us out there. You know, there's 
of course, there was NAPRO technology and people talked about that a lot. And we had, you know, availed ourselves to trying, mm. trying that. But, um, you know, it doesn't always work out that a couple is going to get pregnant. And um, so it was just great to have that emotional support. So anyway, our friendship really developed and we just became such great supports to one another. And in the end, um, I was asked to write a paper, just an academic um, article for Humanum, um, an online mm -hmm. journal. And in the midst, I, I said, you know, Anne, will you write this with me? And we were talking about just the need for support in the church. And at the end, we were like, I think we need to start this. So that's yeah. how Springs in the Desert began. Okay. No, that's great. And I, I think you're, you're, the important part in this uh, theological point, I suppose, is that suffering has to be born with another, um, that it, suffering by oneself is, is, is too hard. It's too hard. I suppose that's the definition of hell is, is suffering by oneself, but rather, um, and you've got divine mercy, Jesus in the background there, which is fantastic. Um, that, that suffering has to be something done with another and it's obviously ideally and always with, with Christ, but he of course loves to have ministers. He has a body of, he's the head of the body, which is the church. And we are, we are members of that body. And so he ministers to us through these others. So as you say, it's, there's something, and I think every, every one of our listeners and watchers can realize that when you're suffering, the having someone else who understands or can walk with you and be with you, even without having any solutions, I suppose, is the first step. It's really important. So I, I love that, that image of the, the existential need for someone else to suffer with, um, to share that suffering in. Yeah. Right. I, what comes to my mind is C.S. Lewis's quote about friendship, right? When you discover, you discover a real friend in someone that, uh, that you're able to say, oh, you too. You know, when you have that moment of recognition, mm -hmm. something that you shared, that something that you share together um, that, that can lighten the load uh, is really an extraordinary thing. Uh, could you say a little bit, I'm curious just about the name of Springs in the Desert, which is poetic and evocative and your branding is lovely, uh, but, oh, thank you. <laughs> but, uh, usually when people do something uh, like this, they, uh, they don't, they don't do, they don't take it lightly. So could you tell us what Springs in the Desert means? Yeah, well, I think, you know, you really get that sense of being sort of in a desert place when you are going through, when you're suffering, you know, like you said, just suffering, you, you just feel like you're out in the, in the, in the desert and there is no, um, there's no, there's no life, there's no water, there's no, um, but also, you know, there's the beautiful story of St. Anne and Joachim and here they, you know, they struggled with infertility and um, there was a time where they separated and Joachim went into the desert. And so, I mean, this was, this was actually sort of, you know, the idea of Springs in the Desert sort of came to me, but then um, Anne, is um eastern catholic she's byzantine and so they have a greater tradition with mm -hmm. um you know the apocryphal with saint anna and joachim and yeah. that whole story and so there's that whole beautiful story of him going into the desert and so that really kind of for us it shows how the struggle you know the struggle with infertility is not just um the inability to get to get pregnant of course but it's also the the struggle between the couple and it can really be a crisis for that couple. And so in that story of St. Anna and Joachim, you know, they, they separated for a time and Joachim left Anne and went into the desert. And, um, and it was just this time of, um, of just real desolation and feeling, 
you know, isolated. So it's interesting too, when you were saying about the friendship thing, that's why we find like that it's so essential for community because a lot of times couples, even though the husband and the wife are going through infertility together and it is a couple thing, you know, the couple is going through it together. It's not like, we don't, we don't like to talk about, you know, oh, whose problem, you know, who's the problem mm -hmm. in this, you know, it's really, it's the couple. But a lot of times because men and women experience um, grief differently and, and they approach and understand this a little bit differently, they may have a hard time connecting with one another. And mm -hmm. so that, again, shows that need for, for a broader community. And that's one of our main things with Springs in the Desert is to help have the husband and wife learn to speak about this, to learn to understand each other, to learn yeah. that infertility is a real grief that they are experiencing and that they may experience it differently and they may not be able to communicate it, you know, the same way to one another. And so we're trying to like help them um, learn to do that. And, you know, yeah, to go on with that, just that notion of the springs, the springs is this community is really the spring in the desert to, to be yeah. that support for one another. That's right. Now, so in this community, and when was it found? When was it founded? Or how long have you been? Have you been uh, doing this? So it started in about 2019. Okay. And we wrote that article. And soon after we were asked to do an in person retreat for women in Philadelphia. So we did that. And then we started um, planning in person retreats. But then COVID happened. And it shut you know, down all the in person retreats, of course, there was a did. thing. Yeah, there was this yeah. thing. And um, so we ended up doing um, a virtual. We don't Mother's talk Day about retreat. that thing. On yeah, our right. Show, exactly. Yeah. Sorry, I know. I just. Yeah. <laughs> but um, we ended up doing a kind of pivoting and doing a virtual mm -hmm. Mother's Day retreat sure. that year, and yeah. uh, we had people over three hundred people come from all over the world, and we realized, sure. you know, this is really like, this is a need, and so it was very beautiful because we've been able to do a lot of things virtually, and 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 have people join us from all over the world. Yeah, I didn't know that story cool. about um, Joachim and Anne. Uh, that that was really interesting to me, Kimberly. But one of the one of the residences that I was thinking of um, is of, is of course when Moses is in the desert, right, with the Israelites, and yeah. he he strikes the strikes the rock looking for water. And I think the the you know the interesting thing um, for a lot of couples that I, that I'd like to hear you start to respond to is that there's something like that contest with Moses going on because at that moment, Moses strikes the rock twice uh, in the desert, right? And, uh, you know, it was out of, um, uh, it was out of uh, whatever, whatever insecurity, whatever doubt he was suffering that, that, he, that he hit the rock twice to call forth water. Um, can you say a little bit about, about what couples go through mm -hmm. uh, with respect to their relationship with God, right? I mean, because you, you, you've mentioned the, the handling of grief together, right? And the, the role of a partner. And we talked about how friendship plays into this. But it seems to me that, that one of the biggest problems is that this, this is an unanswered prayer. I mean, what, mm -hmm. mother, uh, yeah. what mother longing for a child hasn't taken to her knees, knees, you know, to plead with God for one. And you just hear silence from the heavens. Absolutely. And that is, that is like the fundamental relationship we hope to first kind of restore, because I think so many people feel like they're being punished by God. Mm -hmm. They don't understand. You know, we see infertility in the Old Testament as a curse. 
And so we think, you know, and, and a lot of people, I mean, we've, none of us is perfect. Right. And so we have pasts. And so I see women all the time, you know, blaming themselves for some past mistakes that they've made and that, you know, this is, this is just God punishing me. And so we first and foremost are trying to restore that image of who is, you know, our relationship, the right relationship with our, our heavenly father who loves us so much. Um, we can become just fixated on that sense that our identity is our infertility, that that is who we are. And so it's, you know, coming back to the source of like, we are beloved sons and daughters of God. He has good things for us. He has a beautiful plan of fruitfulness for our marriages. We may not see that. And so that's one of the things that we're trying so much to help um, restore that vision um, that, that there is a beautiful plan that God has for your life. But first and foremost, you know, you, you can't even begin to see that if you think, if your conception is that God is angry with you, he's punishing you, he's ignoring you, he doesn't love you. Um, and so we're, we're trying to show that, that that is not the case. You know, we have this, you know, the beautiful sacrament of confession, um, for our past and that God just takes that and, and that we're not, he's not a pun he's not punishing us for our past. It's mm -hmm. like, you know, I mean, St. Jose Maria Escriva actually talks about, he has this quote where he says, God has two ways of blessing a marriage. One is with children. The other, sometimes because he loves them so much by not giving them children. And I don't know which is the better blessing. And that can just mm -hmm. come as like this. I mean, that's a hard pill, pill to swallow for somebody going struggling yeah. with infertility. Right. But, but to see that, you know, there's something like God is calling forth something from us. And so mm -hmm. what, what is it? What is he calling us to? Um, but before yeah, we I, move, yeah, oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, I think that's, I mean, it's, it's so the, the, the goods of marriage are traditionally twofold. Um, the, the unity of the spouse and the procreation of children with anyone who's gone through marriage. So that, and these are related, of course, one gets married um, in the natural course of things in order to have a family. But of course, because of, uh, because of Christ, uh, there's an inbreak in the kingdom such that even in the Old Testament, as you say, when that would be unblessed or um, seen, as a, seen as a curse or something. Here we have, I mean, Father Patrick and I do not have children, will not have children. Um, we, are, we are celibate for the kingdom. Jesus, now, uh, and, and Mary and Joseph are, some, so that there's, in a sense, the, the goods of the marriage are, are also relativized within the message of the kingdom and God's love. Now, I think that's, I suspect um, that it's hard to hear. So, yeah, it's hard to hear this message. I think, so I'd want to know, again, sticking with, the, with people struggling with this, I mean, what, what are the things that they need to hear or that you find that necessary, the things that they're most struggling with, like what, or there might be, I'm sure there's a general pattern to this. What, what mm. do people that are struggling with infertility uh, and are Catholics and therefore are wondering what's going on and what, what, what do you, what do they need to hear um, from that, that you find is most helpful? Well, you know, first and foremost, that, that infertility is something to be grieved because I think a lot of them, a lot of people think that you can only grieve like a miscarriage, you know, a child who has died. Um, but this is a legitimate um, sadness to grieve. And so 
a lot of people don't understand their reactions because suddenly they have a lot of jealousy or anger yeah. and they're feeling like I'm very sinful for their anger or their, you know, mm -hmm. but a lot of times this is just part of their grieving process and they don't even right. understand that as such. Yeah. So that's one of the first things we say is that, you know, this is something to be grieved. And, um, you know, I think that they need to, to, they need to have people who come beside them and listen to them and that, that are the presence that are just with them, but are not trying to find solutions. I mean, Father Bonaventure, you, you mentioned that earlier, just that can be one of the most difficult things is when somebody, because right, suffering is painful. It's painful to be mm -hmm. with somebody who's suffering and you want to fix it, you know? And so when you start trying to offer, well, have you tried NAPRO? Have you tried, have you thought about adopting? You know, it, it can feel very um, dismissive. And um, these are all men. These are all men that you're talking about. This is, what, <laughs> this is the standard, as you mentioned before. No, I mean, men and women are different, right? Whether we're from Mars or Venus doesn't matter, but um, men and women, <laughs> and such that men want to solve things. You know, we just like to, in general, we're going to, you know, in general, men like to solve things. I and mean, not that women don't like to solve things, but men, well, it's basically in the more pejorative right. sense, men like to avoid problems and just get them fixed in a surface way, whereas women tend to dig down deeper on, especially relational kind of things. So when you when I hear this, you know, you know, have you tried this? Have you tried this? I immediately hear that in the voice of a man, you know, this sort of like solving. I'm sure some women do this too. And part of it I suspect is you're trying to help, pe you know, we want to help right. people. But if, if someone's suffering in this way, as you mentioned, it's listening and coming alongside them and just appreciating their suffering uh, is the, is the first step. And I think you're, you mentioned the jealousy thing. I just, it must be, it must be just impossible without grace uh, to fight off vices of jealousy and envy that would be naturally concomitant with this real lack and this loss and this suffering. Um, so I think you're, yeah, the having people not trying to produce solutions as if it's an easy fix, because that only I suspect makes the jealousy and envy worse. Absolutely. Um, you know, we've actually developed a pastoral toolkit and on our website. And we also have, you know, like five things I wish my pastor knew about infertility. And oh, we're going to get I to this, we're going to get to this, but that's, that's great. Oh, oh, uh, that's, oh okay. Because, but I'm saying because yeah. of that sort of to help people, you know, understand a little bit deeper, um, that, 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 these can be things, I mean, obviously you, you want to help somebody move away from being jealous and all of that. And you want to explain, um, you know, if you harbor, if you, if you continue to like nurture those, you know, those things that, I mean, that's, that's very sinful, but, but the initial, you know, when it comes at you, when you yeah. hear another pregnancy announcement, um, the first initial response can be sadness. And then this sadness that you're, you're like, why can't I be happy for other people? Um, yeah. But this is very normal because it's just a reminder of the grief that you are suffering. And so we help mm -hmm. try to, you know, it's really important to try to redirect and and maybe focus our attention on on you know praying for the child and and you know for the, for the child that's been conceived and 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 um, you know not focusing so much on like the fact that I'm not getting pregnant, you know, but, um, yeah. you know, trying yeah, to process just... that. That's why it's so important, I think, to, to really process that grief and be in a community of others who are also trying to process their grief.
Yeah, and we should say this, this is, I mean, I didn't think about it, but infertility, this is a multifaceted. Um, we've been focusing on people who can never have or have not been able to have conceived children. But of course, in this community, I suspect you also have people who have had miscarriages, had children, um, yeah. and then people who have had children who have lost them, um, this sort of thing. Like they're all people who in some way have been deprived of, 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 of their children in one way or another, you could say. Um, is that so all all three of those groups would be in here and they bring different there's a similarity I suppose but there's also a, a difference with them are there any specifics uh, in those three three circumstances you could say that that are important for people to know about well I did want to also mention secondary infertility is something else that people don't oh. really think about but a, a couple who's been able to have one or two children or maybe even more and then they can no longer conceive and I'm constantly meeting people who are telling me oh you know we were able to have three and then we tried and tried and tried and we weren't able to have any more. And they really experience grief from that. And so we, yeah. we want to, you know, welcome them, you know, into the community. So we, we have people um, that, that have had that whole spectrum. I mean, absolutely, it is different. And so, um, you know, we try to, you know, for example, if we do, when we do a Mother's Day retreat, we, you know, we try to address the different, the different groups who've experienced these diff different losses, of course. but. Um, but there is is that underlying similar, um, mm -hmm. just the 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 rupture a lot of times in their their understanding of themselves, you know, like I'm I'm broken, I mm -hmm. can't do what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, that rupture in that relationship with God, you know, is He listening to me? Why is He not giving me what I'm asking? You know, the rupture between the husband and the wife, just you know not really understanding each other, you know, feeling that pressure to time their relations together, like, okay, yeah. you know, this is, you know, we're following, um, you know, what doctor's orders and, you know, we have to, you know, and it can just take away the whole sense of love and, you know, the meaning of, of what, you know, what God has, has meant for, for that intimate time to be right. Um, so we see a lot of similarities in, in these different different yes. areas. Yeah. One of the testimonies right. that really struck me as a young priest was a, um, a, a, a scholar, um, a very prominent guy, actually, who was talking about how difficult it was for he and his wife to go to Sunday Mass. So even even the cure can be difficult to carry, right? Like part, part of the cure is to belong to a community. Okay, so we're, go we're going to be good Catholics. We're going to go to Sunday Mass. And what do you see at Sunday Mass? All of the other families with the young children, which you yourself are not able to have. Uh, so so the, the cure, you know, one of the things prescribed, right? Time for prayer, membership in the community, um, puts, puts the suffering again uh, at the forefront, just, just right, right before the couple's eyes. And I hadn't. I hadn't thought of, um, not having been in that place, I hadn't thought of what that would be like for a young couple. Right. That That is absolutely, that's exactly the case. Um, and particularly if you talk to women who are struggling, the hardest day of the year, of course, to go is Mother's Day. And mm -hmm. this is something that we, we have, you know, we really try to promote speak about um, with pastors, the the idea of trying, you know, in the petitions to include couples who are struggling with infertility 
um, in the, the blessing at the end of mass, perhaps not having just the women who are mothers stand, perhaps, you know, do the blessing after everyone in the congregation is standing. And then let's, you know, make the blessing for, mm -hmm. you know, pray for all of our own mothers. Let's pray for the spiritual mothers in our lives. Let us pray for those who have, have, you know, who have mothered us because, you know, as Catholics, we have a, a much more expansive notion of motherhood, a real notion of motherhood that, you know, there is this beautiful spiritual component that is so, it's not like the, the booby prize or whatever. It's, it's like, this is actually the essential motherhood is that spiritual motherhood that is so lacking. Um, so let's yeah. draw attention to that. You know, let's, let's talk about that. Um, but my pastor did that this last mother's day and it, and, and so many people came to me afterwards. They were like, that was so beautiful. All the mm -hmm. mom, you know, they were, it was just beautiful because everybody was already standing and we were just sort of acknowledging all the different mothers in our lives mm -hmm. and praying for blessings. And, um, yeah. and it was, you know, it just, no, I think it's, it's the balance. Yeah. It's the, um, because you could think I mean, we live in a culture, for instance, today, where if anything's difficult, you know, you just get rid of it. You don't talk about it. So for instance, you know, you know there's, so, I mean, I'm going to take an example. It's very different in any, but like there might be someone who's struggling with, you know, gender identity and what pronouns. So we're going to do is we're just going to not do, have anyone have Mr. and Mrs. Miss or any of the pronouns. We're just going to avoid our, our dealing with things is going to be avoidance. And you could think that actually like once you realize, oh, wow, there are people who struggle with this and it is a real thing. You know what? We're just not going to do Mother's Day. We're yeah. not going to do a celebration. We're not going to do it. And I think in some, I suspect that that's actually really offensive because it's not dealing with, again, the grief and suffering. So um, walk through like the, the balancing of knowing that this is difficult, but how not to avoid it um, for both the pastors, but also just people in general, like, because we don't want to step on anyone's toes, but it's also offensive in a sense to like, when there's an elephant in the room, what do you do about it? So these kind of, this kind of balancing that out, what would you say to that? Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I think that's a good point. And we, you know, yes, we want to celebrate our mothers, of course, and, and the tremendous sacrifice that they make. Um, but I think that, you know, just the, that, that, that's, I think just a, a broader understanding of, of what motherhood can be. And I think that's something that we try to do in our community is, is talk about, um, you know, how are you being fruitful right now? Like, this is how mm -hmm. we're, you know, we, we are asking couples, you know, how are you finding fruitfulness right now? And a lot of times people, like they will discount what they're doing. Like I, I met this one woman and she came to me in tears after one of our, one of our talks and just said, you know, I've been trying to get pregnant. Now I'm in my forties and it's not looking like it's happening. And, and I said, well, what are you, you know, how are you finding fruitfulness in your marriage right now? And she said, well, you know, my husband and I started this on, you know, with COVID happening, we started this online rosary and suddenly we have, we have people like all over the world joining us. And she said, we're finding so much joy and, and, you know, fruit from this. And, wow. and I was like, that is fruitfulness. Like that right there is fruitfulness. And so, you know, just trying to give that more expansive notion without, you know, not, I'm not trying to take away like oh, yeah. the sure. joy of, of having a child. And, and we do something, you know, we do talk about adoption, but, but mm -hmm. not everybody is going to yeah. feel called to that. And so yeah. that yeah. is something, you know, my, my husband and I, we have adopted four children. 
and it's been beautiful and you might be able to hear them right now <laughs> but um it's you know but but not everybody is going to feel called to to mm -hmm. to adopt so um you know i i think that it's important to to of course speak about the joys of 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 having children but also being aware that there are other ways that yeah. you can experience your motherhood and fatherhood. Well, I think the you know, the question, I mean, it's such a, it's, it's a tragic situation and it's a loss and it's suffering, but because of the cross, we do believe, although we don't always see um, the, the meaning in our suffering or the, the any sense of it, um, we look at Christ on the cross uh, and we think, and we think that suffering can be redeemed. There must be some, not not to say purpose, but there must be some possibility of of goodness in our lives, no matter how bad it is. And that's a message. It sounds so. What what message of? I mean, I suspect you have messages of hope for women who are going through, and men, um, and and couples who are going through this. Um, that I mean, stories or messages of hope uh, that even through this, uh, even through this desert there is there are there are springs of fruitfulness what what kind of message of hope do you do you like to instill in people or to remind them or are there any particular kind of images or passages or something that gives people a chance to say yes uh even though this will not pass goodness will be found absolutely well i mean the fact that our marriage is a sign of god's love to the world you know we mm -hmm. we start with that and we have this one um we have this one man in our community who he says, um, I cannot imagine what my marriage would be like if we weren't struggling with infertility. He said, we are so close. Like it has drawn us so much yeah. closer together. And um, so, you know, it's, we try to say, you know, to look at the kind of the, the blessings in the midst of it, mm -hmm. that a couple who does not have children can spend a lot more time um, connecting with one another and really kind of working through, you know, when a couple gets married, there are so many, you know, family of origin issues. There's all these different things that come into play, mm -hmm. you know, how to communicate with each other and how to um, really grow together in that oneness. And so there, there, there is that blessing of, of having that time to really nurture your marriage. But also there's this beautiful sense of this radical availability that a couple mm -hmm. has to really see the needs in the world and to pray and ask God, you know, where, where is he pulling them? Like, where are they feeling, you know, I, I, we kind of tell them sort of, you know, look back over your life and see how God has led you and the things that he has drawn you to and, and really kind of press in and pray together and ask you know, where, where does he call, you know, where is he calling you now? And so there's all these yeah. beautiful ministries that have started um, from couples who, who are, were unable to have children, you know, um, there, there's just, we've, we've seen, you know, pe people being able to take care of ailing family members, of being able to um, start, you know, different, just different things that they just have that availability to do so that they would not be able to do so, you know, with, with a lot of children. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we there's, there's plenty more to talk about with, uh, with this issue, but I think that's good to, to realize that we want to have, you should have community conversations in when Springs in the desert is one of these places. So as we kind of close out here, 
Um, Dr. Henkel, what, um, I would say, what should, so people who are struggling with this, who have not done anything yet, um, how can they get involved or what ways they can get involved with Springs of the Desert? And then maybe, and maybe with that, um, what kind of encouragement could you give them to do so in case or what they might be feeling? You might, you might say, well, they might be feeling like they don't want to do this or they don't need to do this. So maybe an encouragement um, and then a, a way forward on how they can get in, how if they, if they could look, how they could find you and these kind of communities. Sure. You know, first, a, a good place to start would be just to go to our website, springsinthedesert.org, and just check it out. Mm -hmm. We have a podcast that is, you know, really Who doesn't? Easy. Yeah, who has who doesn't have a podcast? But we have a podcast that, you know, we had somebody said it was kind of like taking a friend with them because, you know, we have so many different um people on the show talking about yeah. their experiences. So so yeah, you'll yeah. find sort of a like-minded person there that, that you can feel like you connect with. Um so that's sort of an easier entry point. Um, mm -hmm. And then you can go and, you know, we do this virtual Mother's Day retreat every year. We do a Lenten small group series. We have different uh, touch points that you can get involved with the organization, you know, and in, in be a part of a small group. Because that is just to find others that that mm -hmm. are suffering in the same way is is so wonderful. You know, anybody who wants to can reach out on our website and speak to any of us on the team. We have this beautiful team of men and women and um you know so we're doing in-person retreats now as well so um we've been going around the country with various dioceses and and going and doing in-person women's retreats and couples retreats as well so that's another way you know just to yeah. find others sure that are no that that's, are that's in your that, area that's really great to find others yeah in your area that, it, that you can and that in that inclusio kind of with uh, you started with uh, how this came about is that you were struggling with your, you're struggling with infertility and you, you reached out and talked to someone and found uh, shared suffering and therefore produced fruit from that um, through this. And that to encourage anyone who is in the same boat, um, the first step, I assume it's hard to reach out and share this kind of thing because of all the guilt and the inappropriate um, aspects of, of in, in this area that you might be thinking about, like I'm blaming yourself, but to do that, to reach out um, and to find someone, a community, whether it be around you, that's, and this brings the desert is a great way to organize some of that. So thank you for your, this organization reaching out and helping to us to hear about something we don't always think about and something that's hard to think about because no one likes to think about suffering and to deal with this, but that Every we're all in this together, and as as we need help and assist each other, and to respect and 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 love each other, uh, for whatever in whatever way that God is 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 working in our lives. So it's it's a beautiful witness uh, to us. So thank you, Dr. Henkel, for for sharing with this this time with us. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to all those who are listening to this episode of God's Blaining. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, like, subscribe, leave a five star review or more if you don't if you'd like. If you don't like not to, to donate, so if you'd like to donate to the podcast through Patreon, follow the link in the description. If you you can also follow the links to the description to find a shop on God's Blaining to find our merchandise and any information about upcoming God's Blaining events. Please pray for us. We'll be praying for you, and we'll catch you next time on God's Planning. Mm -hmm.